I want to speak a little bit about revival tonight. And, uh, and uh, I think we need to qualify some things when we speak about revival is that a heightened sense of the presence of God could be the start of revival. It could be the precursor of revival, but it's not full-blown revival. And I think if we, if we don't understand what true revival looks like and what true revival is, we might settle for something that we think is revival. And uh, so tonight I'm hopefully going to share some stories uh, about the history of revival and what happened in previous revivals. And I'm going to read a portion of scripture in Habakkuk chapter, chapter 3. Now we all know it usually it goes on into, even if, uh, if, if the fig tree does not blossom, even if the olive oil or the olive uh, tree doesn't produce anything yet, yet I will, I will exalt in the Lord. But it actually starts, it actually starts with, a, with this. It says, a prayer of Habakkuk the prophet. And it says this, set to wild, enthusiastic, and triumphant music. Okay, so think heavy metal. <laughs> think guitars, think drums, strings, wild, enthusiastic, and triumphal music. It might not sound like... It might not be that, you know, it's been sung like that before, but I don't think that version did this justice, because it said, it is said to wild, enthusiastic, and triumphant music. It says, O Lord, I've heard the report of you, and I was afraid, O Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years, in the midst of the years, make yourself known again. And that's what I'm really trusting for. And as we, as we listen to some of the stories of revival and some of the accounts of revival, if God did it before, then God can do it again. You know, the Bible is full of stories of God intervening on behalf of His people, of God coming uh, when His people have really humbled themselves and prayed, and God intervenes and He sovereignly comes, and He does what only He can do. Now, I'm not absolving us of our responsibility because I do believe that the responsibility of man and the sovereignty of God needs to meet. It's usually when the responsibility of man and the sovereignty of God meets that we have revival. So many times God would give promise. God would give promises to His people. Even if they are in captivity in Babylonia, He tells them, man, you've got a plant, but after 70 years, I'm coming to fetch you. I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm not going to leave you there. And God promises and the prophets would often, when the, when the other, when the false prophet said, no, that's not really going to happen, you know, guys, just peace, peace. The Lord's coming to fetch us tomorrow. And, uh, and, and the real prophet said, no, we're going to be here for a while, but God's going to come and rescue us. And there was this continuous just reminding God of prophetic words that he has spoken. And when I spoke to Amu, and uh, he, he, he got a prophecy that, uh, that there's going to be an outpouring, there's going to be a revival, and some of the hot spots is going to be George. That's all right if you are excited about that. Uh, then the guy also said, Porch of Struem. I don't know. Porch. But he also said Paul. And Paul and Wellington is like, it's our valley. It's in, a, it's in the vicinity. And we come from Wellington where Andrew Murray lived. And uh, he was part of the South African Santrophy revival. It's often a forgotten revival. Many, many things happened and beautiful things happened uh, in, the, in that revival. Um, so I'm, I'm excited of what God's going to do. And, I, and I, I'm thankful for everything that God is doing now. And I'm thankful for increased moves of the Spirit and 
I'm excited about people encountering God and stepping out in faith and, and ministering and having words of knowledge and words of wisdom and all of that. I, I am incredibly excited about that. And I also realize that we need revival. We need revival. We need seriously for God to come and change everything. Because I, I live in a valley in, in, in Wellington, the Paul Valley. We have a couple of world records. Uh, the highest TB rate in the world, uh, the highest fetal alcohol syndrome in the world. Uh, so we are world beaters in Wellington. You know? But there's a lot of, and there's tick, and there's uh, tick uh, people going to drugs, like gangs. It's just horrendous. And there are wonderful ministries, and we thank God for every single ministry that goes in and ministers, and, and by the grace of God, manages to snatch the one and two out of that life and bring them into the kingdom and see their lives radically transformed. But we also cannot stick our heads in the sand and don't see that as we get two, three guys out, 50 guys are going into drug addiction. So we, we, we need to, I do believe that we need to act in response in, in obedience to the thing that God has led us to do and we need to keep on doing that. And, because a lot of people think that they've got to choose between your responsibility and walking out the call of God, you've almost got to choose between that or revival. I want to say to you that you don't have to choose. I think it's, a, I think it's, it's an essential combination that we need to have that human responsibility. Even if it's prayer, you know, very few revivals, if you go and look through revival history, there are very few revivals that haven't been preceded by people that were praying to God and say, God, you promised. God, you promised. The Hebrides revival in the Lewis, Lewis Islands in, in Scotland, there were two sisters. The one was a cripple, the other was blind. They prayed for almost 30 years for revival. Now, the guy that uh, the history books would tell you are the real heroes of, of the Hebrides revival was Duncan Campbell. He was sitting on a stage. He was about to preach at the Keswick Conference in the, in, in the Lake Districts of England. And on the stage, the Lord said, Duncan, I want you to get up and go to the Hebrides Island now. And he tried to negotiate with God and say, you know, God, I've first got to preach. I'll go straight after the preach. And the Lord said, no, I want you to go now. So he stood up. He canceled his speaking arrangement when he was on the stage and he went. And as he got to, to the harbor, because he had to go with the boat to the Hebrides Island, as he got there, these people said, what took you so long? We've been praying. And... Uh, so every, I want to say to you that there's a human responsibility and, and that we take the prophecies that God has given us. We, give, we take this prophecy that, that George is going to be a hot spot of revival when God pours, not if, when, when God pours out revival. But I want to say to you that God is waiting for a people that would keep on reminding Him, that would keep on reminding, that would go on their knees and, and, and beg God and plead God and entreat God to do what He said He will do. And uh, do yourself a favor. I think sometimes because we don't hear, read history, because we don't like reading maybe, or we don't know history, we tend to forget what God has already said. Uh, there's, there's a website, Fire Prof Southern Tip Fire Prophecy. It's, it's a collection of prophecies just about a revival that will break out on the southern tip of Africa that will be like a fire that will start and will burn through Africa and touch the nations of the world. There is over 40 prophecies over more than 100 years that was given by people from different denominations, different streams, different affiliations, different streams and different denominations, groupings, all about God said, I'm going to send a prophecy. 
And, and you know, it's been there for years. It's been there for almost a hundred years. And I believe that God is waiting for a people that would take up that prophecy and say, God, come like you promised. Come like you promised. That, and Lord, we're not going to let, it's almost like that Jacob thing, God, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. I'm not going to let you go. I'm, I'm going to keep on reminding you until you do what you promised God. And I want to encourage you tonight that to, to esteem prophecy highly, especially if it's been corroborated, especially if it's been connected, especially if it's been proven to be, to be right, that you grab hold of that and make that a part of your prayer life and say, God, this is what you promised God. And let us be that generation. Lord, I've heard of you. I've heard of you, what you've done before, God. I've heard about your wonders. Now revive it again in my time, God. Now it will come. I want to say to you that it will come as sure as the sun came up this morning. There will be a revival. Why? Not because I believe it, but, but because God said it. And he is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. If he said he will do it, he will do it. But he's waiting. He's waiting for a people that would rise up in faith and say, God, we've heard about your wonderful works, God. We've seen it in our midst. Now come, pour out your spirit in revival. There are some people that say that we are already in revival. I want to say to you, if we think this is revival, we're aiming low. We're aiming low. I want to say, I've just been reading again about the, about the, the revival in Azusa Street under William Seymour. And uh, they were on the wrong side of the track. And they told the stories. There's a guy, Tommy Welchel, uh, he wrote a book. They told me their stories. He was a small child in the Azusa, tree, in the Azusa Street revival, which incidentally touched the church world that the whole... Pentecostal movement where with more than 6 million, was it 60 million, 60 million people, part of that, it came out of that revival. Tommy Welchel told the stories, that people told him the stories of what actually happened. He was a little boy, and he said what he really missed is what everybody missed, is they missed the glory cloud. They would be in a meeting, and the, as soon as they started worshiping, there would be there would be a glory cloud that would descend and people in the back wouldn't be able to see the front. And in this glory cloud, he said sometimes the children played hide and seek in the glory cloud. And in, when that glory cloud, when it was, he said sometimes it was kind of funny if you stood up just the people's heads stuck out. But he said, but in that atmosphere, people came in and they saw supernatural miracles. There was once they brought in a guy, he... He worked in a, in a factory and he, his hand or his arm got ripped off in some kind of machine. And it was physically ripped off. And they brought him and as they laid hands on him, they physically saw how a new socket started forming. Then when the socket formed, they saw it, it formed a, a... What do you call that? A, a ball. And an arm and the... And, and the bones started forming right in front of their eyes. And then it was covered with sinews and muscles. And then at last it was a complete arm. And the guy lifted his arm and started praising God. And I want to, you know, I read those stories and I said, you know, Jan, I've never seen. I've, I've seen miracles. I've seen a leg grow. I've seen people heal of many diseases. But, you know, I've never seen a greater miracle like that. I've never seen an eyeball form in a, in a person's in in a person's eye socket, you know, and I said, God, why aren't we seeing this? 
And maybe you are seeing it, and great, take me with. Lay hands on me. I want to see that more. Because I do believe that we serve the God of the impossible. And if God did it once, God can do it again. In that, in that revival, people would come in a mile, almost a mile from Azusa Street from the hall. They say sometimes the glory cloud would be like thick and then the fire from heaven would come and it would be visible on the roof where the people of the roof of the building. And some people would phone the fire brigade and think that the building was on fire. And later on the fire brigade would just say, no, it's not a real fire, it's just the fire of God. And they said when the glory cloud and the fire of God connected, people at Azusa Street Station, at the train station, more than a kilometer away, believers, unbelievers, fell down on the floor, repented before God, committed their lives, ran to where they saw the fire to meet with God. If you go and read about the Hebrides revival, if you go and read about all, almost all the other revivals, it happened when, when God came down in power that people were running to God without preaching. And I'm, I'm all for preaching. I'm, I love the preaching the Word of God. I love that. But I would want to see. I would, I would imagine myself many times walking in Wellington and in the valley there with, that we live. And I, and, and, and I would wonder, Jan, what would it look like? What would it look like if, if the homeless, if the drunk, that we, we preach to every day, we pray for them, we give them food, and, and, and we need to do that. But what would it look like? What would it look like if a full-scale revival would hit Wellington? What would it look like if the police station closed down because there's no crime? That's what happened in the Welsh revival. It happened before. The, every bottle store, every bar closed down. I mean, in our town, you can bet your last dollar that the next shop to open is a liquor store. We have liquor store, then the next liquor store, and then a liquor store. In fact, Tops is doing so well that they're thinking about opening a spa at our place. You know, so, and, and I'm like, what would it take? What kind of visitation or habitation or awakening? I don't really care what you call it. I'm just talking about exponentially more of God than what I'm experiencing at the moment. And I love God. I'm not in a bad place with God. The church is doing well. I think the church is becoming healthy. And we're seeing some amazing signs, wonders, and miracles. And we're seeing encounters on the streets here and in Taiwan. And I'm just wondering, my heart is crying for God. What would it look like if you come down, if you come down and you rend the heavens and you do what we cannot do? If you do in five minutes what we cannot do in a hundred years? I want to see that. I don't know. Want, I, I want to cry like Habakkuk to wild triumphant music. God, come and we've heard of your wonderful works, God. We've heard of your marvelous works. Now come and do it again. Won't you come and revive that in our days again? And I believe God is looking for a people. God is looking for a people that say, I would be willing. I would be the willing ones that we'd be willing to pray that thing into existence. To, to entreat God, to go on our faces before God, to fast and pray, to do what God tells us, to be obedient to the Word of God and say, God, whatever it takes, I want to see that for my nation. I want to see that from George God. I, wanna, I want Jesus, I want Jesus to be the talk of the town. I want Jesus, that Jesus doesn't need to be slipped into a conversation. That people, that Jesus would be on your local newspaper. That Jesus would be the talk of the town. Wherever people sit, whenever people go, Jesus would be the object. There would be a preoccupation 
everything else will, 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 will pale into insignificance in the light of what Jesus is doing. In the light of what the Spirit is doing. I want to see that. I don't know about you. I love church. I've always loved church. I love what the Lord is doing in the nations. And I'm trusting God. God, there were people that lived in this. God, there were people that lived in. There were miners that, that had to retrain their donkeys that worked in the coal mines because they didn't swear at their donkeys anymore. I want to I wanna see the jails close down, God. The jails run empty because there's zero crime. And it wasn't, it wasn't let, let, let's fight crime initiative by us. I think we should do it. And it, I think we should do those initiatives as the Lord lays it in our heart. But a true change, a radical, a radical revival and a revolutionary change to our society is necessary for things to really change. And I'm... There's been a long time there, you know, stuff just happens and you, and you start forgetting. And you start forgetting and you start settling into just your personal relationship with God and you get involved in the church and the church programs and the church ministries. I love that. I mean, I do that. But for a long time, I, I sort of neglecting hanging out with hungry people. It's one of the best ways to stir your hunger. Hang out with hungry people. They'll take you to an eating place. Hang out with hungry people. And if you can't be the hungry person, exercise. Ask God, you know, my son is a, is a at the young age, he's an ex-cyclist, but he still cycles, but he's like taller than me, but he only weighs 66 kilograms, but he eats like, he should be weighing like 150. But he, he gets rid of all the stuff that he eats by exercising. And, uh, he digests this food. His body is like a furnace, you know, and it uses this energy and it builds him up. And I, I just felt the Lord that one of the ways to cultivate hunger is to exercise. You can either go hungry, you can fast, or you can starve yourself and you certainly will become hungry. Or you can exercise what the Lord has given you. And everything that the Lord gives you, you exercise, you use that power that He gives you, that means the grace and the mercy that He grants you, you use it for the benefit of God, Christ and His kingdom, the church and the people that really need Jesus. And you use that for the edification, but you are an exerciser. You are someone that listens not to consume sermons, but you are someone that listens and say, okay, how can I go and do this? How can I practice this? So if you get taught about the gifts of the Spirit and how to reach out to the lost, then the next thing should be, okay, when can I do it? Where can I do it? How can I do it? It's not, you know, that's, it's a cool teaching. I, I, I really like, you know, the philosophy of evangelism. No, to actually go and do it. And that we exercise everything that the Lord gives to us because the secret things belongs to God, but that which He reveals belongs to us. It belongs to us. Whatever God reveals belongs to us. And it belongs to our children. It belongs to the people that comes after us. So we are not only the users, but we are the custodians of a legacy. We have a responsibility to steward God's presence well and what God gives us well, not only for us, but also for the generation to come. We have this responsibility. We've given this divine stewardship to do that. And as we do that, the Word says the secret things belongs to God, but whatever He reveals belongs to us and our children forever, that we might do 
everything according to that revelation. So I believe that God is on the move and God wants to mobilize His people. He wants to mobilize us to every single saint to be a minister, to be a powerful instrument in the hands of God. And I believe that God wants to touch us with a real hunger for a, a real pouring out of His Spirit in revival. I don't know about you. How would you like? How would you like to be part of a history book that's written if Jesus tarries to come? It was in the year 2020. All of a sudden, George was, in, was invaded by the Spirit of God. George, the people fell. People that we struggled to reach all of a sudden cried out for God came under conviction of sin, but the glorious beauty of the love of God that saves us. People that struggled for, with stuff for years all of a sudden started walking in freedom. People that, that had a long relationship with God, all of a sudden the depth of the relationship of God like dropped into, a, dropped into a space so big that you can't even imagine that you can know God like this. Hospitals would empty out. The police... Men, all that they could do is start choirs because there's no criminals. You know, they go around, they, they start praising worship events. You know, it's like people that are struggling with addictions, all of a sudden chains are broken off of them and people and prisons become prayer centers. What about that? Why is that impossible? It's happened before. God has shown that He could do it before. He's, he's, he's created precedent that He has done it before and He promised that He will do it again. And here's the thing about God. God says that the glory of the latter house will be greater than the glory of the former house. So whatever I read in history is simply something that God says, I'm going to do that and then I'm going to do more. I'm going to do more. And that the cry of our hearts would be, more of you, God. More of you, God. More of you. I can't get enough of you, God. If, I, if you give me something today, I want some more, God. And it's not because you're not doing enough. It's because I have now seen something. I have now tasted something. And I realize that I have seen you for who you are. And I realize that you are more than I can imagine. You are more than I can dream of. You are more than my highest prayer. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, for our highest dreams, our biggest imagination, our highest prayer, to him be the glory in the church. For are we satisfied with a meeting here, with a touch here, as wonderful as it is? I want to ask you that you would, that you would just come before the Lord and say, God, do I believe that there's more? Do you believe that there's more? Or do you believe that you have reached the pinnacle of your relationship with Jesus? I want to say to you that you haven't. And it's not because you are bad. It's because He's so good. It's not because you haven't studied enough. It's because He is indescribable. He is incomprehensible. When you think you've got Him, you don't. And he, he just refuses for, for, for you to put him in, in your little theological box and your understanding. And he consistently breaks out of that to show him that he's more than you can ever imagine. And I want to say to you, uh, maybe you've seen great things. We've been part of outpourings and seen some wonderful things. But the more I see them, the more I realize, God, there's got to be more. And like John Piper, I sometimes, 
I take my fall from the things of this world. That when it comes to eating time, when it comes for hungry time and meal time at the feast table that He has prepared for me, I am stuffed. And I become picky. I like that. I don't like that. I like it this way. I don't like it that way. As opposed to God, I want to see you pour out the Spirit and revival. I want to see you revive this town. I want to see you transform this community, God. And I'm going to do, God, I'm, I'm going to do what you tell me. I'm going, to, I'm going to reach to the one, but I know you can reach the multitude. And you can do in five minutes what I can't do in five years. I want to say to you, the little bit that we have experienced of, of outpourings of the Spirit, you know the whole issue of discipleship, the whole church is talking about discipleship. I want to tell you, people that are full of the Spirit, it's really easy to disciple. Because they really want to be like Jesus. They don't feel like they have to. They want to. They see Him for who He is. And they can't imagine that there's something more desirable, something more beautiful, something more to be, to be sought after, something more, something grander and greater to give yourself to than to become exactly like the Son, Jesus Christ. And I believe that's what God, it's like another prophecy, God. And I, I really love prophecy, but I, I want to say to God, God, not another prophecy. I, I want to see the prophecy coming to fulfillment, God. But then I realize, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm distracted. And uh, to be quite honest, sometimes I, most of the time I'm selfish because I'm thinking consistently what will they do for me. And I'm not thinking about the guy that doesn't have food, that doesn't have Jesus. I'm not too concerned. It touches me, but, you know, I don't like to, some people don't like to listen to the news or read the newspapers because it bursts your little bubble of how great your life is. And I want to tell you when revival comes, it might mess up some of your plans. But I want to say to you what you will gain is so much more than you will ever give up. You think, no, I'm going to give up, I'm going to give up this, I'm going to give up that. I want to tell you, there's nothing that you can give up for God that you won't receive in a greater measure. Jesus promises that. He says, if you, if you, if you try to keep your life, if you try to keep control of your life, you're going, to, you're going to lose it. But if you lose your life, for my sake, you'll truly find it. Some of you are looking for true life. I want to say, lose your life for the sake of the kingdom. Lay it down. Take your plans. Scrap them and say, Jesus, it's you or nothing. You might be the next, you might be the next Billy Graham. You know Billy Graham, there were three of them. About the three friends, they said of them, he's the most, least likely to succeed in ministry. In fact, Billy Graham got saved in a crusade by a guy that was so discouraged that said, I'm just going to do this one crusade meeting again, and then I'm stepping out of ministry. I'm just doing this once more, God, and then I'm stepping, stepping out into ministry. I'm so discouraged, God. And that night he preached, and that night Billy Graham came to the front. <laughs> you don't know who you will touch, and you don't know who you will become. And sometimes we have these small lives. We think it's great, but it's really small. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. The Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 6, and he says, companions, he's writing to the, 
to the Corinthian church. He says, companions, as we are in this work together, I, I beg of you, do not squander one bit of this marvelous life that God has given us. Not one bit of this marvelous life. And then he goes to describe the marvelous life. He says, as we stay at our, at our post alertly, unswervingly, in bad times, in good times, when we are beaten and when we are slandered, when we are imprisoned, when we try to set things right but we are misunderstood, when we, when we try our best, when God is showing His power and when God is, do, is, is showing His love and when we are speaking the truth. And He, and he says, when immersed in tears, yet always filled with so much joy, living on handouts, yet having it all. And then he says, dear, dear Corinthians, how I long for you to enter into this wide open, spacious life. Your lives are not small, but you are living them in a small way. We did not venture you in the smallness that you feel is coming from inside of you. So I say this as affectionately and as with as much affection as I can. Open up your lives. Live expansively into this marvelous life. I think sometimes we want to create this little utopia where everything goes my way. And Paul calls this wide open spacious life and he calls it everything. The good, the bad, and the ugly. He says this is the marvelous life. This is the wide open spacious that I long for you to come into. And as we, as we, I want to say to you that as you walk the streets of, of, of George, never allow yourself not to see the people. Not to see what's going on. Not to allow the Holy Spirit to show you by words of knowledge, by words, by revelation, that He shows you that these are not just people. Some of these people are in pain. They need God. They need God. And they need us. But more than that, I want to tell you, when God comes in revival, everything changes. I don't know about you. I don't really care about a big house or a fancy car. You know, I don't really call, care about worldly success. But I, I wouldn't mind being part of a history book that said, in 2020, you know, the spring of 2020, 21, a revival broke out the scope of which the world has never seen. You wouldn't believe it if I tell you the stories. It was this guy, Luke. You know, it's just amazing how God, how God just used him even more. He thought that God was using him greatly, but he wasn't even beginning to walk in what God has for him. And, and the testimony just rolled out and rolled out. And, and people said, what, that did that really happen? And you know, people, some people say to me, you know, Jan, we need reformation, we don't need revival. I want to tell you that it's great. If, I think most revivals had some form of reformation, if you go and read the history books. But I want to tell you that even if it doesn't reform everything, I want to tell you a week of revival is going to be better than a week of non-revival. <laughs> it is going to be exponentially better. You're going to we're going to learn things about God that we haven't even imagined. Smith Wiggleworth, uh, close to his death, prophesied that in about a hundred years' time, was after Azusa Street, he said in a hundred years' time, and we're in about a hundred, hundred and ten years into that now. He said when the, when the Spirit and the Word comes together, there's going to be a revival, the likes of the which the world has not seen. Those things have been prophesied. Do we believe it or is it, ah, you know, that'll be nice. As long as it'll be nice, we won't pray fervently. 
If we think it's a necessity, we'll pray differently. So uh, I want to encourage you tonight, not only is there, I wish I could, I don't want to just tell you that there's more of the Spirit of God for you tonight, because there is. But it's not all. I believe there's greater. I believe there's a greater glory. I believe that God is looking for a people that would say, God, we want to see that works that we have heard of, what the history history books have taught about. You know, for a long time, I read the Bible and I really loved the stories and even the revival stories about the 5,000 people that got saved uh, on the day of Pentecost. And I loved those stories, but I, I, I always felt, you know, that was divinely inspired. So it's kind of unfair, you know. It, I know that we say it's got to take place after the book of Acts and after the Bible. We still walk in that, but, but I always thought, you know, if I only read the Bible, but then I started reading history books. And the amount, thousands, I want to say to you, not hundreds, but thousands of revivals all over the earth. In China, in Africa, amazing revivals on what God did. In, in Indonesia, under children, I want to tell you that the children were preaching teams that went from village to village. The children walked alone through the forest when they asked them, even sometimes at night, and when the people asked them, were you not afraid? They said, why should we be afraid? The angels were all around us. Children that weren't even trained to preach were preaching the gospel and people were getting saved all over Indonesia. Now because we didn't take it forward, Indonesia is once again the most radical Muslim nation in the world. But there was a time when there was a wonderful, wonderful revival under Maltari that took place in Indonesia. And why can't it be again? I asked myself, why not again? What is in my head, what is in my thinking that stops me from thinking that God can do it again. When, I, when Habakkuk says, I've heard of your wonderful works, God, revive them in my day. I want to see it again. Not because I want to be, see the sensation, but I want to see what it looks like when God comes sovereignly and He takes our little steps and He turns it into leaps and He takes my my day-to-day struggle, and he just accelerates that into a likeness of him. What would that look like? What would that look like for you? And my question to you is, do you want it? So stir your hunger. Stir your expectation. I want to say to you, never, never settle for what you have. Be thankful for what you have. But in your thankfulness, say, God, I thank you for what you've done. Now, God, can I have more, please? Can I have more? The cries of the revivalists, more God, more God. Prayer meetings, spontaneous prayer meetings, the longest one, uh, 24-7, except for the one in Herrenhut under Count von Zinzendorf. But there was, uh, in Ireland, there was a, a meeting that started unplanned, seven days on end people prayed. People prayed. They're on their faces before the Lord. I want to tell you, in that kind of atmosphere, things change. It's like I almost said, if a train, if a train hits you, you change. I want to tell you, if revival hits you, you change. Sinners that aren't looking for God. All of a sudden, nightclubs, in those dancing halls, which is our, do you still get nightclubs? Raves. What? And ran empty, 
Because young people say, we don't want to do that. We want to serve Jesus. Where's the church? Where, where can we go to? Do you think it's possible? Do you think it's possible in Otaniqua? Do you think it's possible in wilderness? Do you think it's possible? Or is it stories of old? Or is it predictions of what God has done before and He can do again and He says He's going to do more? That's what God is inviting us into, people. So read your Bible, but I also want to say, read revival the history. Go and see what God has already done through normal people. This one, this one woman uh, in an Evan Robbins, Roberts Welsh Revival meeting usually started, Evan Robbins would say, bend me, God, shape me, bend me. The Spirit of God would come. People would just keep on praying, would be on the floor, repenting, reaching out to Jesus. And this one woman... Uh, she stood in the, in the back and for the whole evening all that she could say Lord do not pass me by Lord do not pass me by Lord do not pass me by do not pass me by it's the only prayer that she prayed for hours and hours and she was the last person to minister to and the Lord called her to the mission field in China she left she was the teacher the next morning she sold everything she got on a ship and spent the rest of her life in the mission fields in China that's what happens in revival. People's lives get radically, radically changed in the presence of God. People that have been in ministry for years feel like they've just been saved, feel like God has touched them in ways that they've never, ever dreamt of. That's what God has for us. But we'd, we'd, be, we'd be that people that say, God, don't pass us by, God. And we're not going to let go. Even if it leaves us with a limp, God, we're going to wrestle with you in this until you pour out your spirit and revival. And we're going to be obedient to every, to every word that you say. And we're going we're to go for every altar call. And we're going to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's going to fuel our, this is going to fuel our passion and our desire and our hunger for more of you, God. That that, play, that word that was spoken, I don't care who the prophet was, but that word that said that George would be a hot spot for revival. God, I, I'm clinging. I'm taking that word, God. And if I'm going to be the only person that's going to proclaim that word until I see it into existence, if I'm going to be that crippled woman, that blind woman that prays for 30 years, I'm praying, I'm praying, but I'm not going to let you go, God, because you said you will do it, God. You said you will do it. You said you will do it. Um, I felt that as Jan was speaking that there was almost in some people's hearts fear that um, I don't know what to expect. It's almost you try to figure with your head how, how I'm going to handle it. If it comes, what about this? And, um, and some say, but I've come this, after, this morning and I've, I came for prayer and what more? I'm hungry, but I don't know. I don't know how to express it more. Do I need to fake or how, how can I know what, what's the next step? And I felt the Lord um, showed me that um, He wants us um, to be dispensers of His, of His presence. And, um, and I felt that uh, um, it, uh, almost to say, think of people that is in a desperate situation. Maybe it's someone that you know that is in deep depression. Sometimes, uh, so maybe it's someone that in, in a sickness, maybe you know of a couple in a, that has a horrific marriage and, and it's destructive. But say, God, who, who, show me some of those people that 
desperately, desperately need God. And I felt that the Lord said that He almost wanted to use that just as a, as a connecting point to focus and, and say, Lord, and just say, Lord, um, you can do it and, and ask God that faith will rise. And, and faith uh, is mixed with your imagine as well, imagination. And to imagine how God comes through for that, that maybe that man that has depression, that you say, God, I don't know what to pray for this. Just to see the impossible made possible, to imagine that God comes and he, he comes supernaturally with his power and come and snatch that person. And start. I felt that as we st- almost... Uh, Start praying and to, to, to desperately cry out for that person. Ask God if there's anyone that, that, is, have, that you've met, if you've seen this past couple of days, that desperately need God. And even if you start by praying for someone else's, Lord, Lord, they need you, they need you. And in that crying, you will click, God, I need you. But I felt that there's just a, there's some people in their minds, they can't, they can't get over it. To why do I need God more? I've, I've got everything. And I felt, so I want to encourage you that desperation for others will, will bring the spark. I think we came here in this morning, we specifically prayed for people that just want more of God. And, but I'm almost sensing that God is switching it up. God is ramping it up and say, not just more for me, but more for George. More for this nation more for the nations of the world. And God is, is, is ramping it up. He's uh, raising the stakes. Uh, and I want to tell you that the people that, the meetings that started the revivals were not revival meetings. There's a difference between organizing meetings and having the presence of God and calling it revival meetings. Most of the revivals started where normal people were just crying out to God and say, God, we really need you. It was started with the song in the Welsh revival with Here is love, wide as the ocean, loving kindness like the flood. And it broke. And we don't know, we don't know, you don't know, you don't know if your prayer will be the sweet-smelling incense that will fill that bowl, that golden bowl, and when the prayers of the saints will be tipped out in answered prayer. You don't know if your prayer it's going to be that final prayer that takes the tipping point because we can't see into those golden bowls. But I, I'm sensing that God, God is, God is pressing on your heart tonight and say, would you, would you be a people that trust me for more of you, but also more, not just for this church, but more for George and more for the nations of the world and more for revival that God would truly come to town. And we won't have to advertise. We would not have to advertise. We would not, social media will just let it go viral, but it will be already the talk of the town. And if God, if God stirs your heart tonight and say, God, I want more of that. I, I want to sign up for that, God. I, I want to sign up for that more. Not just more for me. Not just more for this church. But more for what you want to do in revival, God. Won't you capture my heart, God? More God. More God. If that's you tonight, just, just come. Just come and allow the, the fire of God to touch you and mark you. I believe that God wants to mark some of you for revival. He wants to mark some of you for revival. That you would come and say, God, mark me. Mark me for revival, God. That, 
that will be the thing that I live for, God, to see you come in your sovereignty and your glory and your power, God, like I can't even imagine. If you sense if the Lord is speaking to you about that, just come to the front. I believe the Lord wants to mark some of you. Jacobus, if we can maybe have uh, some music playing. And thank you, Jesus. And some, uh, please don't hear that you're not doing enough. You're doing enough, but God can do more. Amen? You're doing enough, but God says, I want to do more. I want to take you from one degree of glory to another. For this is from the Lord who is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. The Lord wants to liberate you into this. He doesn't want to bind you into this. He wants to liberate you into this. He wants to liberate you into this divine call into this thing that captures your heart and becomes a preoccupation won't you just say you, where you are just start lifting your hands to the Lord start lifting your hands to the Lord and then lift your desire say God send revival send revival start with me God start with me God revive me God where I am slumbering and sleeping God just come and wake me up, God, where I am satisfied with, with the amount of filling that I have coming for me more, God. Just cry out. Just start crying out for your, for, for your town. Just start crying out for, for what you believe the Lord wants to do here.